Well, all this is Michael Burnoff, the founder of the Human Communications Institute. And if you want to learn how to level up and be successful through masterminds, then you should listen to my good friend, Brandon Straza, with the Mastermind Effect. It'll blow your mind. You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to the Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey everyone, today we've got the founder of the Human Communications Institute, Michael Burnoff. Michael explains how getting out of your constant environment allows you to gain a new perspective when looking to get unstuck. He talks about looking at your purchases in life in order to gain a higher ROI in everything you do. And Michael gets into trigger words to call a spade a spade by checking your existing framework through the words you use. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show where you know I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. And today, to help us do this, we have got the founder of the Human Communications Institute, Michael Burnoff. Michael, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate it, Brandon. I love the the voice and the intro, and I'm ready to rock. Absolutely. Hey, when the listeners realize all the golden nuggets and truth bombs that you are going to drop today, where's the best place personally or through social that they can reach out, connect, and learn more about you? We'll have it in the show notes as well, obviously. Yeah, average, I would say uh, they could find me on Facebook. I'm there, um, averagesucks.com. They could find uh, my book, Learn About Me. But uh, if they want to connect and reach out, find me online. I'm all over the place. They'll find me, Michael Burnoff. Perfect. And we'll have that in the show notes. So it'll be super easy. Let's, uh, let's dive into this. You know, our ability to have access to people, it's changed to me in the last five, 10 years. I mean, look how you and I were connected through Steve Sims after you, the educators at the Speakeasy. When you and I were younger, it was teachers, textbooks, friends, family, coworkers, but that's literally a sliver of what's possible. How is your learning changed from your early years versus today? Yeah, I think when I was younger, I mean, I was waiting to learn and meaning that I would show up. I thought it was a scheduled thing. And, and it's, it's interesting. I've never had that question before. So when I was younger, if you're talking about as a kid, it was like, okay, well, I think it's learning time. We're going to go to school. Oh, it's learning time. Soccer coach. Oh, it's learning time. And I got in the habit of that. So even as I got older and started in business, you thought learning was going to an event or learning was taking the time to go to a library. And now it's it's everywhere. It's rapid speed. And we're learning through information. But we're also learning through experience a lot quicker. So that's one of the mistakes I believe people make is they still have this 1980s, 70s, 60s, 50s philosophy of you go somewhere to learn, which you can go there to have an experience, but we can learn everywhere we're at. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, if you think about it in the last five, 10 years as well, like the ab- ability to take information in has really changed. Uh, some people learn from accountability buddies, masterminds, online courses. There's a lot of ways to learn. Who are you currently learning from? And more importantly, how did you find and connect with them? It's a good question. I learn, it, it depends. So let me ask you this, which, which area of life? Because I have a library behind me that I could, I could floor you with. And I have one downstairs and one at my, my house. And I'm always learning uh, individually from people. I'm I'm a study of where people got where they got from and then where they got it from. So I'm one of these like old school learner types. And I, I will tell you, if I were to be 
straight up a lot on, on a lot of this stuff is I like to find old knowledge. And so I have people I'm physically learning from, and then I have uh, mentors, different things like that uh, over time. But I would say the majority of it is really digging through where people get stuff. So let me, let me just give you an example of what I mean by this. Okay. So about five years ago, um, I read Mike Tyson's book and I'm a kid that grew up in the eighties. I remember, remember learning about him and, and remember, I mean, remember learning about Mike Tyson. I, Mike Tyson's punch out, man. Come on. I, okay. So zero, zero seven, whatever it was. And like, I remember learning when I was six years old or sixth grade, forgive me. He is the toughest man in the world, not only in America, in the world. I'm like, okay, great. So I found his book about five years ago and when I was reading it, it was like very interesting. Where was his mentors? Where did he learn from? So he studied from a guy named Customato and then he had him, got him into hypnosis. Nobody knows this about the guy. Got him into meditation, got him into a bunch of different books and different things and auto suggestions. So what was fascinating was I started looking at the, the materials that these people got their stuff from. So it was very interesting. So I'm one of these guys that likes to find like where the learners learned from. So I'd break down where their inspiration came from. So I don't know if that directly takes you in that direction, but for me, I started, I wanted to know like the original course material that did not get taken apart and re-memed and everything. Like what was the original book? Like I found, uh, I've never taken Landmark before, but the guy Warner Earhart that started, I found out where all his inspiration came from. The guy had what, 60 gazillion people have taken his class. I had no idea. He got it from Heidegger, from, um, he studied a guy named Alan Watts. So I started studying a lot of these older, outdated stuff. And I find it very fascinating because then you get to have a very unique discussion with people where you're going to say things they didn't just hear five minutes ago on YouTube. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the time we catch people regurgitating. Regurgitators. Regurgitators abusing how the information comes to them. If you got it from somewhere else, say, hey, listen, this is where I got it from. This is how it pertained to me. But you might want to go do your own research. Anytime I talk about bedazzling a bridge or losing this, I'm like, hey, this is where I learned this from. This is what it pertains to me. You said that, you know, give us someone, because I think it's brilliant from the aspect that you're learning from the learners and the people that taught them. So you get the original context of what it really meant before it was torn apart and changed, you know, a hundred times over. Who are you learning from that maybe a, a name that someone would hear or they can look up? Who are you learning from today that's alive and still? A physical live uh, human being on different, on different subject matters. It's an interesting, interesting subject. Um, I have a I have a lot of different a lot of different things like so when I attend the mastermind events you have a different people in different different subject matters so when I'm talking about company and culture and stuff my good friend Cameron Harold comes up and that's somebody that that I that I'm gonna ask questions from in that that department he'd be somebody that I know we've connected over his name before I've known Cameron now about five years and he's somebody I come to over that specific topic I look over my shoulder Jim's been dead for. 12 years, Jim Rohn, but that was my earliest mentor that I had in uh, life. Picked me up as a 19 year old kid, taught me business at 19 years old. And his earliest guy was Earl Schoff, the guy that taught him. So I like Earl's stuff right off the bat. Um, if I'm talking about studying, um, gosh, I mean, it's amazing. I studied Richard Bandler for years when I studied uh, neuro-linguistic programming. I've known Richard now for 20-something years, and I've studied his material inside out and backwards. So I, that, that's really where I sit. I'm really big in psychology, and that's my, my mainframe. So I don't sit in one exact area. I like to jump around a lot. Yeah. And we just had Cameron on just uh, a week ago. So uh, just another amazing individual that if you look at how small the world is, I mean, there's you, there's Steve, there's Cameron, and the yeah. list goes on, but we're all connected in some form of fashion. You know, a lot of, you know, you, we were talking about masterminds there. A lot of people, they get stuck and they can't see the picture of the frame, the, the, the tree through the forest. 
we're still going through some form of a pandemic, but to me, it causes a reset and how we can accomplish things, how we can connect with people. How have masterminds helped you when you're looking to get unstuck and unstuck and reset your frame of mind? Yeah, so masterminds, it's interesting because I avoided them for years. And a lot of the reason is as an entrepreneur, if you're a real entrepreneur, you don't need anybody. You really don't. Let's just get really clear. In your head, you're a personal responsibility person and you don't really need anybody. So I remember when Joe with Genius or any of the other uh, Rolling with Warm or any of the groups that, I, that I'm with ever asked me, they said, Michael, um, why did you decide to do this? Well, I avoided it for years because I didn't need anybody. I wanted to figure it out myself. And that was my biggest issue. So where masterminds help me is as annoying as it is. And I got to tell you, because we're busy people and I'm being very straight about this. I could lie and tell you everything's all uh, peachy, peachy, wonderful. But I'm going to tell you the truth because I'm from Jersey. The second you leave your environment, it changes your biochemistry inside of your brain. I'm just going to give you an example of the benefit of this. If no one's ever been to a mastermind, you've been on a run. You're having a day, good or bad, and you go out for a run. While you're out for a run, you come up with a lot of great ideas. I used to want to invent like shorts that had pens and paper in the pocket so you could write down really good ideas because you come up with genius stuff on a run or a hike. And a lot of people think, oh, you're with nature. It isn't that. It's that you left your current environment. So one of the greatest things you can get out of it is even if you put your earplugs in, even if you ignored everything at a physical or virtual event, the fact that you're not doing what you would have been doing that day is one of the greatest reasons that these things work. So why I bring that up to everybody's attention is my biggest gain in it is in the first couple hours, not being where I was supposed to be that day and really being where I was supposed to be. So my biggest win is getting out of my environment and I come up with millions of ideas. And if three of them roll, that's amazing. Have different forms of conversations than I normally would have. So I would say that's the part people don't talk about very much is that it isn't just the connections, the sales, the networking, and the information. It's the physically, you are somewhere else that day. And that is the hardest part for me to get myself to do. But when I do it, it is the biggest win. No, absolutely. And I, I love the analogy, and it's not even just an analogy that you use. Like when you go for a run, you're taking yourself out of your environment. That's why one of my coaches is like, listen, I don't care what activity you do. You need to do, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a day where you can think and work while you're being active. I don't care what it is. And it just really changes your frame of mind when you get away from the four walls that you're always sitting about. It, ch it changes your biochemistry. It literally changes your dopamine, your norepinephrine, your serotonin, your oxytocin, every, every chemical in your body. You're dealing drugs to yourself 24-7. We all are. And it changes which drugs show up when. And that's one of the greatest gifts we can have as humans is to change that chemical composition inside of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, masterminds, they've been around for a hot minute. Maybe the first one possibly was the Apostles. And then Benjamin Franklin, yep. he creates the Junto Club or the Leather Apron Club. And then Napoleon Hill. Most people that have been on this show have heard of him, at least you hope they have. As there continues to be a huge boom in self-education, coaching, masterminds, mentorship, where do you see the parallels going between self-education and standard education, university and college going forward? Um, it depends which group you're talking to. There's, there's an interesting group. Tucker Max and I were talking about this uh, at dinner probably about a year, a couple of years ago. And as we're talking about my daughter going to college and it's like, well, what is her outcome? And it's interesting that the original outcome, I went to college, I, I did the thing my parents recommended, I went to school, did my thing. I came across direct sales when I was in college. So that turned me into then an entrepreneur eventually. Uh, eventually, there, there's always going to be the group that is a little bit far behind in the information. And by the time you find out about the GameStop stock and you found out about it, you already lost. I found out about it Sunday night. I bought it on Monday, made a bunch of money and I got out. By Wednesday, if you knew about it, you already missed it. 
And I would say that there was a time in this world that college was the mastermind. It was. It was elite. Couldn't do it. It wasn't for everybody. Now it's University of Phoenix. Everything made it socially available. Anybody could get a degree, not to knock anything. It's easy. It's accessible. Anybody can get it. The value of it went down. So I do believe that 97% of the world uh, and 95% of the world is still going to gravitate for 20, 30, 40, 50 of the next years unless something really changes and still do the traditional thing. But that 3% number is going to start to grow in concentration and more people are going to start realizing the idea of self-education. I think being home, uh, I'm watching this and my daughter's in private school and which is a mastermind of its own, in my opinion, and um, a very small little school here in town. And while we got to see how our kids were getting educated, I think down the road, people are going to go, wait a second, this isn't that great. Maybe there are additional options. Maybe we need to teach people different things. So I think parents are going to start mentoring their kids a lot more. I think we're going to start teaching entrepreneurship like I do to my kids. Start, start. Like I even said to my daughter, I said, we can save money for school for you. You can pick. Do you want to go to school, go to junior college? Or you know, um, if you want a couple hundred grand, we can help you start a business. They're both going to be, both might work, might not work. And I'm going to tell you, I think starting a business probably is a better better bet for people to learn. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like you and I uh, teach the same way with our children. I've got a six-year-old. He's yep. in private Montessori, and it's amazing, just the entrepreneurial spirit. His teacher uh, gave us his review the other day, and she used the word entrepreneur, starting his own business, different, and awesome. we had never fed that. Uh, but we don't hide our conversations about the businesses we have when they work, when we're having struggles, you know, when we're moving through, we need someone else to step in. And he just sits there, and his question on a continuous basis, Daddy, when did you start your first company? You know, daddy, you know, when can I start my, you know, and it's just, it's, it's interesting when you start, you know, letting them in, in that world, they, they gravitate towards it. And it's, it's a whole new type of education, which absolutely, you know, I think is just brilliant keeping the, bringing them in at a younger age. You know, when someone invests in themselves, whether it's standard education or it's through themselves, I still feel the best ROI is in yourself, higher than the stock market, yep. higher than the housing market. I am in both of those, but I can't control them. That's the reality. I can control the ROI on myself. What should people expect when they enter your reality, invest in themselves and invest in you to move the needle? Yeah, so it's interesting. I always make jokes. I said, if the IRS knew in our country, I don't know where this is being broadcasted, but if the IRS knew the capital gains or the return on investment on personal development, they would be taxing the shit out of masterminds. I mean, so we're not going to tell them to do that because if you have, we're not going to tell anybody because the return is, is massive. What you get, it's an investment. So part of it is changing context, right? So my book, right? And not to promote my book, there's no money in books, but I, I tell everybody, don't buy it for 20 bucks on Amazon or don't buy it from averagesucks.com unless you're planning on turning it into 30. And I look at everything in my life and go, how do I turn this into a return? So unless your mentality is 20 to 30, 20 to 50, 50 to 100 in happiness, better quality of life or money, you've got the wrong context going on. So that's one thing I learned a long time ago. And I'm very, very adamant about that with my students. I said, when you go to Barnes and Nobles, look for an investment. Go into the store, go on Amazon.com. What can I buy and what can I turn it into? And I believe if people have that mentality of, you know, I invest in something, I'm going to turn it into more, it changes the frame of purchase. And then, then they're walking, breathing investment machines. So that's, that's the first step, I would say, what somebody should expect. And number two is you don't always get it back in money. You might get it back in idea. You might get it back in happiness. You might get it back in less pissed offness. And what's funny about less pissed offness is I, I joke about that. I don't think I've ever said that term before, but if you can go through your day, be less bothered by your children and you used to be bothered or less annoyed at the new people you hire and like, wow, look at that. I'm communicating differently with myself. You got an opportunity to then take the investment you have in your team and turn them into millions of dollars. So 
it's amazing. You never know where you're going to get it from. You never know what you're going to get, but it's not about what you get. It's about what you become. I mean, I learned a lot from that guy, Jim, back there. I must've heard the art of exceptional living 2000 times, memorized it. Uh, and it, it changed everything in my life by realizing that uh, this, this is what's funny. I will buy, um, Brandon, I, I will go and buy on eBay. This is as funny as I, I, I'm always looking for stuff. I will find old Amway tapes. Some of the greatest speakers in the world were in Amway. Like they're, they're great, like religious speakers almost. And they've got speeches you've never heard on a 25 cent tape that I could buy. I'll buy a hundred tapes for $25. I got a tape player. I'll listen to them right here. And I will literally hear something, turn it into a video, create something out of it. He may tell a story about a turtle or something. I'll turn it into a dog, right? And I'll flip that same thing or give me an idea to help something with my kid and turn that idea into $300,000. It's fascinating. Can't do that in the market. Yeah, all the information's already there. It already exists. Go listen to a sermon or go to a rabbi or priest or something on the weekend. Listen to something from somebody and you could flip it into something else. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to recreate the wheel because the reality is there's only so many notes in a core, you know, on a guitar. And there's only so many ways you can continue to spin it. Take ideas from other people. I call it my Rubik's Cube. Plug in what's made them successful and how it pertains to you and then run with it. Yep, exactly. But don't abuse it. Don't abuse what they brought to you because they probably got it from someone else. You know, I feel that people, they have a way, you know, possibly of surprising you from time to time, whether it's the grit, the grind, the willingness to learn. I'd love if you could share a success story. Uh, and if you can give name and example, that's great. Or if we have to have anonymity, I understand that and respect that as well. But someone that came, they invested in themselves, invested yep. in you. And what was the outcome because of that? So, so the listeners can sit there and be like, man, okay, that, that reminds me of me. And this is why I want to work with Michael. I've been at this a long time. So just to put, I'm 43. I have been doing this since 2003, so almost 18 years, right? And I'm not new to this. So we have hundreds of thousands of people we've worked with. I got an institute, a building, all that kind of stuff. So I got a million stories. I'm going to throw it back at you and ask one question. Give me an industry, give me an idea, give me something, and I will trigger something. I could literally go all day long in every area of life. You name me one, I will literally, you pick a type of person and I'm going to give you a hell of a story. Heaven of a story too. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're just gonna we're gonna choose your your you know 30 to 35 year old female. I, I, I still struggle with the word entrepreneur, but for, female entrepreneur that has a service based industry uh, business. So um, we work with we work with uh, a lot of gyms, right? So I have a lady that does service for gyms. I have about two thousand uh, gym owners that I've had the opportunity to work with, from karate to martial arts to everything. That's one industry: chiropractors, all kinds of stuff, dentists, doctors, you name it, real estate agents. So I have a lady that we worked with, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll if if they're cool with it, I'll email them afterwards, and I'll give you their name, and everyone can go tell them thank you afterwards. And uh, we worked with her for a while. So she was having uh, a challenge and uh, a multitude of challenges. And when she came to work with us, uh, she had a business. She invested in a franchise, put a bunch of money into it. Was freaked out every single day. Freaked out her family, freaked out herself. And bottom line is um, she was getting by, but she wasn't living the way that she really wanted to live. But the funny thing is she knew what it is she needed to do. It was all spelled out because of franchise. Do this, do this, do this. No different than some mentor of yours telling you, do this, do this, do this. But she couldn't get herself to do it. And she was sold the same baggage that my parents sold me. Work hard, be a good person. She busted her ass, did what she needed to do every single day, but couldn't get herself to do it. And what she didn't realize, what she didn't realize is it was the way that she was communicating with the people she was working with. One of the biggest premises I teach people is everything in your life comes down to the way that you communicate. And what she didn't realize is she was antagonizing people. And she was giving them, she was 
She was calling them out. She was being direct with them. She wasn't helping them make a good decision for themselves. So she made a couple of very subtle shifts in perspective. One was the way she communicated with herself. And she realized that she said to herself, this is going to take some time. And that's one of the things that most people don't realize, but it doesn't have to take forever. And that's one of the things I got her to realize. So a lot of people have this overnight success thing. So she just looked in the mirror and goes, I've got this. It's going to take some time, but it doesn't have to happen immediately. What happened is she started to communicate with people very differently. She had her appointments set up. People would come in. She'd communicate with them. And when people started saying things to her, she realized that she doesn't have to sell things on to people. She needs to do very three very simple things. Get their attention, lower the resistance, increase the receptivity. I want to think about this for a second. So instead of thinking she had to sell anybody, she just had to give them a different way of seeing what it is they saw. So this is a, a quick little version of a lady that I turned into like a 50 grand a year getting by. She's doing got four locations right now. She does about $2.4 million a year during the pandemic. She did okay. Um, I would say she did okay. I think she did about 1.6 during it in a state that was supposed to be closed. What she did is she linked up with some, uh, I, legally I can explain what she did, but linked up with a religious organization, was able to stay open, which was genius because she was thinking correctly. So she linked up with a church and was actually able to stay open because you can't be closed if you're a religious organization, which was really, that was not my doing, that was hers. So what she did was she started communicating a little differently. So when people would say to her, things were expensive, she used to argue with them. Instead, instead of realizing these are auto responses people have. So when people would say it's expensive, I taught her the power of the reframe. So very simply, she would just turn and say, I totally see why you might say that. It sounds like you're agreeing with them. All you're doing is acknowledging them. I totally see why you might say that. And then she would say, um, it's actually the going rate. It's just unexpected. Problem is most people did not realize they'd have this expense come up. So it's unexpected. It's not expensive. But um, if you're interested in going somewhere else and looking for a better price, you can do that. Or uh, we can work on changing expectations. That one little thing changed everything. She's got a premium gym. A couple hundred bucks a month is the low package. Not the $15, like going to the place with the with the gorilla and all that stuff at the Planet Fitness. So she's killing it with that because of reframe. So she's looking at the world and going, how do I reframe things for people? And how do I change communication? So instead of being an entrepreneur, she's becoming a communication expert. And that's what I teach people. You become a communication expert, everything's possible. Wow, I, I love that. And, and I gotta ask, cause you had mentioned NLP from the beginning. Yep, that's my background. And that's your background. Was that just like changing just how she saw it and then you reprogrammed her to be able to communicate that with the consumers that were there so she wasn't becoming confrontational? Just curious. I, I, I got it realize. So everyone's got a reference point, right? So she had a reference point of sales, like everybody does. They've got an idea in their head of what business is. So I... Uh, one of the things I do with clients is, well, let me, let me ask you this question. Who first taught you about business? My dad and working cleaning clubs at a, at a golf course, just listening to the people. Yeah. So, so if you have parents like me, I, my parents were not entrepreneurs. They said, if you want to be a business owner, be one, work hard, be a good person. And that was the model. So I had a model in my head of what I thought I was supposed to do. And I did it all the time and it didn't work. And I thought if I did it more, it would work more, but it didn't work at all. And all of us have a model of what we think we're supposed to do that we adopt during a time in our life when we're in a challenge. So most of our decisions we make in our lives are all based on, like if I were to ask everybody here why they do what they do, everyone listening or watching right now, you're doing what you do because at one point you thought it was a good idea. No questions asked. You got pissed off one day. You said, I'll never do that again. You built a new model for your life and you're wondering why five years later you're still doing it. I talk about this all the time. I call it your average, but it's this whole thing that we do on a regular basis. So she thought work hard, be a good person and be the best was going to work. 
problem is be your best is what? At, at what? At everything? I mean, look at the stress you put on yourself. So look at the language. I'm going to be my best. I mean, that is painful. At what? Everything? So what she said is, I'm going to narrow it down. I am going to be one of the best communicators that helps people see things clearly so they can make an effective decision. That changes sales. You don't have to sell anybody. I'm going to help human beings make a decision that they choose to make. And that started to change everything for her. So for those of you that don't know NLP, I, I invented something called human interaction technology. I took the best of NLP and I, I built this whole model that for the last 20 years, that's NLP plus, 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 plus. That's practical and easy to use, but it's not about getting something over on somebody. It's about easing people's resistance so they can actually make the decisions they want to make in life. I work with professional athletes and I got a UFC fighter that I work with and he was in a slump. And I, I, the problem was, is he kept on picturing this opponent, like big. First off, this guy's bigger than the guy, but he kept on picturing, like, you know, most people think COVID's up there, like, and they're looking at it like this cowardly thing. If you look at COVID as this little teeny thing, it's like, you blow it away, like the IRS, like, it's this little thing to not be scared of. But most people are looking at their life. So I got him to reposition in his brain that the person he was going to battle with was the actual size or smaller. It changed his feeling. His shoulders got big. He got broad. He, he got excited. I, I got nervous because he, he dropped the guy in his head during the next round. Like he picked this guy up and body slammed. Like, holy crap, I hope I didn't teach this man to kill somebody. I'm glad the guy got up. But that's how powerful he felt by changing the perspective. It was really cool. So these are these are the things that we do. And they're I have a gazillion stories. I can keep going and going. Yeah, and that that's why that's why I'm just so fascinated. I love what you do, why Steve connected us and just how you help people reframe what their purpose is, why they're doing what they are. I'm doing it because I want to be happy. Well, happy in what? You know? And that kind of goes into the next part, which is we talk about on the solo shows about success and what does success mean to someone mm -hmm. and what does it take to be successful? And, if, you know, a few of them are mentorship, um, experimentation, partnership, willingness to fail, and then on the flip side, willingness to define success. So many of us don't define success because once we do, we've defined failure and it scares us. What do you feel is a key attribute in, uh, you know, success? Yeah, uh, one is you have to make it possible. And that's, I think a lot of people make it impossible. So the reason we make success impossible is so we can keep our current identity. There's nothing more consistent than our need to be who it is that we are on a regular basis. So we've sold ourselves that this is a good idea. So let's just say you wanna make more money. In order to make more money, you need to admit you don't have enough. And admitting you don't have enough is very uncomfortable. Like if you have to wanna get in better shape, you need to admit you screwed up last time, that it didn't follow through, that you overate. All the pathway to getting where you wanna go is through a hell storm for people. So first is we need to make success possible. And what I mean by success possible is we need to make it something that we can actually pull out this week. So here's a really important thing. Success is not a destination. It's actually an emotion. It's a way of feeling. Successful people, like Michael Jordan did not have to, like, I'm going to go be successful today. He was just Michael Jordan, okay? So we typically look up to people and we're like, oh, man, we like look at Michael Jordan. Look how great he is. And we put them on a pedestal or success on this far-reaching thing instead of putting them plain eyesight for ourselves. So my, my recommendation for people is make it possible. So I get success from a variety of things. Like I feel success by helping one person. I feel, or, or being there for my kids. Or like we talked earlier uh, before the show, picking up my daughter. Do you know what I'm saying? Taking her to skating, watching her grow. Uh, and then I'm there and I'm fired up because that was a rule for myself. So success is watching my kids grow and learn, whether it's painful or happy. And then I'm there and I'm like, why am I inspired to make a video when I'm here? Because success, I'm already being successful. So we've got to find, like when I was writing my book, I thought I had to like write this hard, complex, complicated, best book in the world. 
instead of realizing, wait a second, I've succeeded so many times in my life. Let that guy write the book instead of the guy that's never been an author before. So I just tell everyone, make success possible, and then you can make success better. Meaning like you're teaching a kid how to ride a bike. You're not going to say you got to ride like a BMX racer right off the bat. No, you just got to be on that thing for three seconds. That's success. You were good today just learning what balance was, and then you raise it from there. Yeah. I love how you simplify that. Sometimes we overcomplicate things that can be so simple and what success is to you. And, you know, for me, same thing, being able to pick up my kid, take him to soccer and just, you know, yes. after this is done, I'm going to go in the backyard, play through the football with him just because he's like, you're a success. Yeah. I'm successful because of that. And my day is great because of that. So, all right, we got a few more questions as we get ready to come to the end here. I feel in times of prosperity, the wins come in easier. It's easier to win when the world is winning, but I think ingenuity and creativity come when we feel the squeeze. And I feel that the world is still feeling some form of a squeeze. What are you working on right now that's going to take place over the next 12 months that excites you? I have a lot of things we're working on right now. So we bought a building uh, pre-COVID. Thank God we bought this place because then we could do events in here. I bought a 7,000 square foot building with 3,000 square feet of event space. And we do events here and all, we even do, they're able to do them now. Arizona's able to do that. And uh, a lot of the stuff I'm excited about is we, we have a couple of communities that we work with. Uh, we have one thing called Circle of Influence, which is a, a group. It's a mastermind group, but it's, a, it's about mastering the mind. So I'm very excited about sharing um, our book, Average Sucks, with more people. I'm actually working on a new project called uh, How to Market to Yourself. It's, we're always concerned about marketing to other people, but how do we market ourselves to ourselves? How do you sell you to you? So I'm writing a, a book and a whole series on how to market you to you. How do you trigger you? How do you speak about you? How do I identify you? So it's actually, how do you sell you to you so you turn yourself on? So that's a project I'm super excited about because I think the whole world is always like, how do I use this with others? If you could sell you on being you, well, amazing what you could do. You wouldn't even need to sell anymore. You'd walk up and go, boo, and people would buy. Or boo, people would be interested. So that's one of the things I'm really excited about is turning all the marketing and all of the knowledge that I've shared to influence others inward now. Yeah. I mean, if we think about it, every morning we get up, we're selling ourselves. We just don't realize it. I'm selling myself to make a cup of coffee, brush my teeth, actually put on my pants. Yep. We just don't look at it that way. If we look internally about our biggest demon, which is our own bully being ourselves, if we can sell ourselves to ourselves, the possibilities are pretty, pretty limitless, pretty yes. interesting. So I love that. All right. Last one. What's a tip, a tactic, an actual item? And I be, I, I got to imagine you've got thousands of them, but yep. one item that if someone listening to this right now implemented it over the next 30, 60, 90 days, they would see a real impact on their personal or business life? One of them is relanguaging things. Uh, I'm going to keep it real simple. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not talk about business right now on purpose. And I'm going to talk about health for an example, because a lot of tactics we realize is if you take something out of the realm that people are fearful of, and you talk about it over here, it'll, it'll translate over here. So I typically will talk to business people about health, because if you talk about health, you're like, oh my God, that translates to my business. So years ago, I shared this concept and it's about breaking things down for people. It's about relabeling things. So I remember being in front of a group of people and this is a quick version. And I remember saying to a group of people that sold shakes for a living, making millions of dollars. How many of you drink shakes? And they raised their hand and said, okay, none of you should ever drink a shake ever again. And these are people that make their livelihood off. I thought they were going to bum rush the stage. Good thing I'm, I'm six foot six and I'm a big guy, right? A hockey player. And um, so... I said, the reason you shouldn't drink it is you need to chew shakes and never drink a shake because if you just swallow it, it sits in your gut and you get rid of it. When you chew it, you send the appropriate enzymes. Your brain then knows through the chewing what's actually physically in it, tells your brain to send the appropriate enzymes to break it down. Here's where most people go wrong. They think all activity is the same. They think all business is the same. 
and they think all food is the same. So what I realized is if you look at things in life as a relationship, relationship with money, relationship with food, relationship with people, and we realize that our issue in life is our relationship with business or a relationship with money, this is where things start to change. So let's take food for an example. If you looked at food and you realized if you're going to date it and it's going to be inside of you for a period of time, you probably should know what its name is, where it's from, what its intentions are with you. Probably should ask some questions, right? So if you look at food and you labeled it and you said, it's either nutrition, entertainment, or addiction. And you three seconds and go, what am I doing here right now? Well, I'm about to have popcorn at the movies. That's entertainment. There's nothing wrong with it. Just stop lying. Call it for what it is. I'm about to waste time today. I'm about to watch Netflix and waste time. Just call it for what it is and tell yourself the truth, right? And most people are not willing to do that. So what happens is, let's say you have Captain Crunch for breakfast, that's your entertainment, Subway for lunch, and anytime you go out to eat, it's called food poisoning. I mean, their whole business model is to make it taste good so you eat it, right? Dinner is gonna be uh, broccoli and a bunch of crap, a bunch of food, it's entertainment. Whole bag of Doritos, addiction, okay? So you go through this a couple of days and you go, entertainment, 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 addiction, entertainment. If it's steamed broccoli or intelligent protein with nothing on it, you could say nutrition. But after doing this for a couple of days, you might say to yourself, interesting. I've had a lot of entertainment, a lot of addiction. Maybe I should have one meal shift. You won't change until you know what you're doing. And one of the things in business is we don't realize that we're actually doing. We don't call ourselves out on the things that we do. And I think one of the biggest call outs we can do, and remember my daughter and I, we were at Disney once and she goes, we had churros, we had all the things you shouldn't eat at Disney, right? And she goes to me, we're at downtown Disney after three days, she's five and she goes, dad, can we get a salad with our pizza? And I said, of course. And, and I don't teach her this. She knows intuitively we're off our kilter. So here's the thing I realized. We in life have to use something called trigger words. And it's so easy words that trigger us that are real. And I'm going to give you a couple examples real quick. We can say, I love Breaking Bad, or I love watching back in the day, uh, what's a show, Billions or something. You can say, I love it. Or you can say, I'm going to choose to be selfish for the next hour, and I'm going to enjoy this show. I'm going to put my business to the side. And what's amazing is it doesn't feel as good. Now, I want to tell you, most people in life, we're not willing to do this to ourselves. The benefit of is we recalibrate. I watch a lot of women say, my wedding was the best day of my life. Well, you're ready for a divorce then because nobody can compete what you did at a wedding. Like it can't get better. Like, like you need to say, it's been a great day up till now, but things are going to change. So the point is using language and using things that make us feel good. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have some pride today. I'm going to make some phone calls. I'm going to have integrity today. I'm going to make a video. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to respect myself. These are important words, respect, they're trigger words, respect, pride, honor. These are words that are not just value words that we apply to certain things. Like, you know what? I had integrity. I said I was going to be here today. I said I was going to do this and I did. If I say this is the best interview I ever did, it's all going down from here. So the one thing I was just going to tell everyone to do is just check your language and call things what they were. You say Krispy Kreme donuts are your favorite thing on earth. No wonder you're attracted to them. No wonder you want them all the time. You could say, I enjoy them. They're good. If you put the same orgasmic emphasis on broccoli, you'd be in great shape. If you did the same thing about making calls, you'd be great. But you're putting exceptional hype and exceptional language on things that don't deserve it. And you've got to realize Netflix, Facebook, Instagram, when you're not marketing, you know what I'm doing? I'm pleasuring myself. I'm enjoying myself. I'm being selfish. And if you change and you start labeling things correctly, your brain will start recalibrating. Man, I need to get off this Instagram. I've been on here too long, man. I'm being selfish. That's the quick version. Use trigger language to impact you. I teach this in a big way to, to people I work with. Yeah, that's, I mean, like that was a lot bundled into a small period. And I, I mean, like you just compressed, you know, a year's, I just, you compressed a lot there. And I appreciate that. There's, there's, there's words that can't, can't describe at least right now and what we just heard right there and in this entire time. We have got 
the founder of the Human Communications Institute, the author of Average Sucks. I've got a copy and a t-shirt in my house. Thanks to Michael and his team right there. Michael, thank you so much for what you brought today. I appreciate it. And if any can help in any way or anything, I'd love to, to work with anybody. Anything we can do, just, just reach out, let me know and uh, hook you guys up with something magical. Yeah, we'll have it in the show notes. Super easy to reach out and go from there. Thanks, Michael. You got it, brother. Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing The Mastermind Effect.